going on, guys? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast brought to you by SorrySports.com. As usual, our Monday rundown actually on a Monday this week. You're welcome on that one. Sean and I jumped right in, talked about college football. We had a huge upset last weekend that is going to have a lot of implications on the final spot for the college football playoffs. So we went on and debated about that for a little bit with conference championships coming up next week. Moved on over into the NBA. We talked about Jimmy Butler, and we went up and down the Eastern and uh, Western Conference. Talked about college basketball a little bit after that. It is still a little bit early, but we had to talk about the top 25 and whatnot. Finally, we jumped into baseball. We talked about two big signings that were made by the Atlanta Braves. Then we jumped into some Yankee trade talk because the hot stove has started to heat up just a little bit before winter meetings and Christmas. So enjoy the pod, guys. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. Follow us on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website, SorrySports.com. Sean's article will be up there as soon as possible. I know I talked about it, but I have been a bit under the weather. And always shoot us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo, if you have any questions or just anything to say, if you want to say what's up, and enjoy the pod. Alrighty, everybody. Welcome back. We are actually on a Monday for yep. our Monday rundown. Welcome back, back to the Monday. Sorry to Interrupt podcast. Fresh off of Thanksgiving weekend, Tom. What's up, my man? What's going on, man? Ready for a Monday rundown. Shout out to Will again. Thanks for I was for just going to say, dude, he Thanks did a really good on. job. It was great to have him. Uh, job, gave bro. his insight, and it was a lot of fun to have. I hope you all enjoyed it. Absolutely. Yeah, I hope you guys did too. Might have to have him back on, uh, maybe on the phone or something, to figure out uh, those picks that he made. I don't know how he's doing, but I'm sure he's doing better than me. At well, let's put this it this week. way. He was able to get through your dessert. Uh, he got his Cowboys victory and yes, a very happy man. Um, so shout out to him. harass him or talk shit for more than two minutes into that game. Were you able to get through that two minutes? Him. I'm sure that was grueling for you. I, You're listen, a shit talker from way back. No, but I mean, the only time I got to talk shit was on that deep Vernon Davis touchdown. Fair. And the, you saw the life come out of him because he, he thought that was going a different <laughs> that way. Was good, the game was going to turn and the luckily, clapper was going to go back to his to his natural luckily ways. Luckily, Dak and most importantly, their their new first-round pick, pretty much Amari Cooper, were able to figure that out. He had a hell of a game. He did. We'll see how that all shakes up, but that's going to be discussed on Wednesday during our NFL Wednesday talk. But today we are going to start off with Tom begrudgingly having to discuss the rivalry weekend that was in nah, college cool. football. This, is, this was big time and it we talked about it last week before the game it threw quite a monkey wrench into the college football playoff it did there's there's possibilities that are endless there are so why don't we start with the game the biggest game that was and that was of course the ohio state michigan game in columbus ohio state coming in the game at number 10 michigan holding on to the fourth and final seeding in the college playoff rankings and Boy, did Ohio State take it to him. I mean, this was a game, and I tell you what, this was I, I don't know how this was. I don't know how much you watched of this, right buddy, there. but I'll tell you one thing: I did watch every single minute of this game, and there was a time there towards the end of the first half when Ohio State botched a kick return. Michigan took it, you know, re- took it back, recovered the fumble, and then punched it in in the end zone. You know, it was within the ten yard line punch it in to make it a three-point game heading into the half 
and you think all the momentum turned because Ohio State to that point had played basically a perfect game. You know, say what you want about Urban Meyer. Obviously, we've made our pieces about him, but boy, can that guy coach college football. We know that. And I thought Michigan was going to turn it around, and they never did. Ohio State, Dwayne Haskins setting a record for passing touchdowns in a game by an Ohio State quarterback. Looked like a Heisman candidate. I don't think he's going to get it. I don't think he's even going to be invited to the dance. But I'll tell you one thing. Ohio State, stinkers, so. that was the best game Ohio State could have possibly played, and the vaunted Michigan defense got lit the fuck up. What did you take away from this game, man? No, I think Michigan's done. Unfortunately, they're a two-loss team because they lost to Notre Dame, or um, what was it, the first game first of the season? First week of the season, yeah. And um, I, I, this game wasn't even close. If it was 42-39, to 39, you could make a case for them. 62 to 39, man, they're done. And it just it sucks because, you know, we're not Ohio State fans by any means. And you said Urban Meyer is a great coach. Well, he better be because he's not a great human being. But the, Michigan had no answer. And, again, Harbaugh just has no answer for Urban Meyer in this rivalry. 0-4 now. And I tell you one thing, man, you know, he has to stay. I think, you know, unfortunately for you and your any Jets hopes. I think he has to he stay has until to stay. he gets the monkey off his back he or whatever you want to call it. He went there to beat Ohio State. You know, listen, if you lose, we discussed this on, on an earlier pod. I can't recollect whether it was a week ago, two weeks ago, or at some point during the season. But, you know, he went there to beat Ohio State. If you lose to a Nick Saban or a Dabo Sweeney in a national championship game, it is what it is. Right now, those, team, those two coaches are the best at recruiting, but... I told you all along, man, Shea Patterson didn't impress me. He was the Ole Miss uh, transfer, and he didn't do much for me down there. And he's a poor man's Jalen Hurts, you know, to be honest with you, is when that running game is going and the offensive line is, you know, physically imposing their will on the defensive line and they can wear guys down and they can run the ball and then, you know, open up the passing game, he can beat you, but... He is not going to be the reason you win, much as, you know, Jalen Hurts, obviously, to a higher degree, is at Alabama, which is why they made the switch for two at Tagovailoa. We see Shea Patterson is just not capable of making plays, and Dwayne Haskins is at Ohio State. I mean, we said going into the season, he might be the best quarterback. You know, they've had Barrett. They've had a couple of other guys that have been high-profile quarterbacks since Urban Meyer took over. Haskins has been referred to as one of the best, and he played like that on Saturday. I think Haskins is probably the most talented. I don't know if he's the clutchest, but I think he's definitely the most talented. He's had a few crappy games in there that he shouldn't have had by any means. I think Ohio State should be undefeated, but I definitely think he's the most talented when it comes to the Michigan side. I don't think Harbaugh has a choice but to stay. No, I totally agree. Whatsoever. He doesn't he doesn't because you know what if you leave there you failed at the one purpose that you had. It's like a, it's like the reverse of Saban because you look at Saban and it's like, yeah, you've had all this success in, in college football, but you kind of cowered out and left um, and left the, the pros. Yeah. So, I mean, that could have been a whole different story. Had he gotten Drew Brees, we'd probably be talking about him being yeah, one Dante of the Dante Culpepper coaches. didn't really work out. No, no, I wouldn't say so. And I think Drew Brees has. Yes, uh, I, mean, I, mean, I would say so. I think my MVP pick has worked out all right. <laughs> I think you've you definitely nailed that one. Absolutely. But, yeah, I honestly, to sum this game up, I couldn't believe it, first of all. I thought this game was going to be a one-touchdown game. Uh, and if I thought it was going to be a blowout, I thought it was going to be the other way around and Ohio State was going to kind of fold. But clearly that didn't happen. When it comes to playoff implications, I think Ohio State's right back in it. 
Michigan, what do they end up as, like, number eight right now? Yeah, they'll finish up playing, you know, probably in the Rose Bowl. They'll be the Big Ten representative out there, and that's still a good bowl game, but that's not what Harbaugh had in mind, particularly the way that they were rolling. I'm just talking short term. Where do they end up in the poll now? Probably eighth, right? Probably eighth. Yeah, Yeah, maybe seven if if they're, you know, at Lucky. Remember, they're not going to play in the, uh, they're not going to play in the conference championship game, but they'll they'll probably get the Rose Bowl bid if I had my guess. And now Ohio State is going to be in it playing in Northwestern, and they're going to roll that game you would you would definitely assume so that game will be in indianapolis on saturday night and you you know northwestern's had a nice year on a neutral field though though the way that ohio state has looked i highly doubt that they're going to lose that game moving on to the next game notre dame you know they took care of business they didn't really look great and i kind of told you that i didn't expect them to lose but i thought somewhat of a game usc was playing you know, for their season, and they wanted an upset. This is one of the oldest rivalries, you know, even though it's South Bend against Los Angeles. This game has been being played since the early 1920s, back to the Rose Bowl days. And Notre Dame went out there, and you know what? They did what they had to do. It didn't matter how they won. They secured a spot, probably the number three seed in the uh, college football playoff, unless something unforeseen happens to an Alabama or Clemson come championship weekend, which we'll preview in a minute. But Notre Dame took care of business. Ian Book, you know, he came out of the gate a little sluggish. They didn't look too impressive, but he made plays, and and Notre Dame, you know, won a game they should have won on the road and, and ended a very good season for them. At this point, Notre Dame just has to win. They had to win out, and they did it, and they don't have – they're not in a conference, which in my opinion should hurt them a lot more than it does. But, but they, they play very good competition. I agree, but every you know, other they team beat Michigan, who's going to finish as a top ten team. Every other team has to play one more game, in my opinion, and I think that most of them do. Um, yeah, yeah. Well, most of these teams are great, and they're going to be in the championship game uh, for their conference, and they don't have to. I think that's definitely an advantage to Notre Dame. But again, I guess using the brand name and the cachet of that's Notre what Dame it is, helps man. them out and. Listen, they've had a great year, and all they had to do was win this game. They're definitely going to be in the top four. No doubt. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, they don't have to play a conference tournament game or a conference championship game, rather. And, and you know, some people might frown upon that. But you know what? They do have the name brand. They have the cachet, as you mentioned. And you know what, dude? They also, we can't frown at their schedule. They played some really good teams. They beat Michigan, who's going to finish in the top ten. They beat Syracuse, who was a really good team. They've taken advantage, you know, they beat a Northwestern who's playing in the Big Ten Championship game. You know, they've played some good opponents and they've won out, you know, so right. I, I really can't shit on them. Fair enough. Um, You know, they're not, remember last year Alabama didn't even play in the SEC Championship game and they and they got in. So, you know, you're going to see those those happen. And in some cases, up even up to, you know, a couple of years ago, the Big 12 didn't have a conference championship game either. So it, that was one of their that was one of their flaws a lot of people thought about. Moving on though, got to discuss the Iron Bowl. It was close at the half. It was 17-14. Auburn really held in there. I got to tell you though, if you're going to win a game like that, you got to be disciplined and my god, honestly, even to Saban's fault, Alabama committed a lot of really bad penalties. Their starting safety is out for the first half of the SEC championship game after committing a targeting in the second half of that game. They didn't look crisp. They didn't look great. Well, Auburn had opportunities to them at practice. So I'm sure. And the, you know, you know when that you use that term and you hear it all the time, dude. Like that quote unquote Heisman moment, and it might not be a moment. But Tua Tagovailoa, 
accounted for six touchdowns. Dude, he was slinging that ball. Threw for five, ran for one, no interceptions. And you can really see why, although he's a lefty and it's super unconventional in today's NFL. You can see why he's the top pro prospect. Oh yeah, and, and you got to wait a year. Windows. He's still yeah. got another year in college. Too. And he doesn't look that fast, but he's definitely a serviceable runner. He's he a had good a runner. big time run in there. Yep. You don't have to. You don't have to. He's not your brother. You don't have to like. I love him. You don't have to <laughs> jump the table. He's a really okay? good runner. He's okay. He's a, he's he's a good. He's okay. I don't know how he'll be on the next level, but he's I'd a like really to, I'm good college to see runner. What, I'm interested to see what his forty time will be at the combine in a year. I don't think it's going to be a four four. I think it'll be more in the four seven range. It looks like for me from the eye test, but again, he's a serviceable runner, and who gives a shit when you can throw like that? Exactly. Aaron Rodgers isn't running a four four either. No, in his prime. No, and like, Rodgers can run for a first down whenever he wants. Exactly. A- and and that's kind of where I look at Tua. And and you know what? This game kind of reminded me of a couple of the other games that they've played this year, where they haven't looked incredible coming out of the gate, but by the second half they just pour it on. And and Alabama. Is going to get ready to play Georgia. You know, Georgia handled business. They walloped their in-state rival, Georgia Tech. That game was never close. Yeah. The triple option didn't work as well for Georgia Tech as it did for the Citadel. Isn't that a weird thing to say? <laughs> um, Should have studied some more tape. Clemson beat up on South Carolina. So right now, one, two, and three are absolutely solidified. Now, here's where the conversation starts to get fun, man. Now, obviously, the polls come out tomorrow. I'm interested to see who number four is. Right now, I would have to guess Oklahoma. But let's put in the conversation that's going to be had. Obviously, the conference championship games have not been played yet. They'll be played Friday into Saturday of next week before the final revealing is made next Sunday at 2. So, right now, let's just put two teams into the into the blender. Oklahoma, You've got Washington Oklahoma, State. No, Oklahoma and Ohio State. Washington State lost. I'm sorry. Your boys are done. Minshew didn't get it done. Oh, yeah. Browning had a great game. Uh, kind of to Will's prediction. Yeah, and, good job by you, Will. And uh, shout out, buddy. Good job. And uh, and their season is all but done now. Um, they'll get a nice bowl game, and, and good for them. But Whatever. <laughs> whatever. It's so it's going to be – you're going to have to look at Ohio State against Oklahoma. So let's say that things work out as is currently constituted. Let's say Ohio State wins, whether it's in a route or just a nice easy win against Northwestern, and then Oklahoma handles Texas. Remember, Oklahoma already played Texas this year in the Cotton Bowl. So, uh, so the, or the Red River, right? the Red River rivalry, right? Yeah, and no, Texas won that game. Oh, so yes, yes, yes. That's their one loss. Now, regardless of what happens this weekend, Texas will finish as a top twenty team. They had a really good year. They're kind of back. We we talked about that throughout the season. Kinda. They're kind of back. There's like Tigers, kind of kind of back. But you know what? They're going to finish as a top twenty for the first time the in like ten was years. Fun, by the way, we're going to discuss that way at the end. Um, <laughs> kind of get your thoughts on that, but. Um, so that's their one loss. Now, Ohio State, definitely the most convincing win, beating the number four team. Now, you were at home, but you killed the number four team, who had previously only lost one to a team that's going to be in the college football playoff. That is Notre Dame. But Ohio State got dismantled by Purdue, who will not finish even in the top 50. So, what is the committee, if we just take those two teams on their surface, what is the committee to you going to focus on, Tom? Are you going to look at the most impressive win, which of course 
would be Michigan. Pe- Michigan. Yeah. But remember, if Oklahoma wins in this hypothetical against Texas, they will have beaten Texas, even though they would have lost to them too, and they will have beaten another top 15 team. And they just beat West Virginia and Morgantown in that shootout on Friday night when West Virginia was ranked seventh. Then you have your worst loss. Yeah. What's Oklahoma's worst loss? To Texas, who's a top 15 team, maybe maybe top 20. And then you have Ohio State, who got dismantled by Purdue on the road. Where would you look at? Do you value the best win or the worst loss as well, the higher ground? I don't consider it either of those, actually. I'm going to go with... You can either go best win, which is Ohio State versus Michigan, or you can go body of work, which is definitely going to go to Oklahoma. Because you beat, like you said, West Virginia, who also is at currently constituted and when they played them a top 10 team. Yep. They were number nine, and they beat them and on we'll the road. And we'll have a top three Heisman candidate in Will Greer. And they beat them on the road right. in Morgantown. And if they beat Texas again, they're going to have another top 15 win. And they've also had a lot of other good wins tucked in there as well. Right. So you split with Texas, both games on a neutral site. One of them for your conference championship game. That means something. So let's say that breaks them even. Let's say that Texas never happened then, right? Right. I mean, they pretty much rectify each other. Fair. So then you have an undefeated um, Oklahoma team who beat a number nine team, West Virginia, on the road, or you have... A what is it a one loss Ohio State team mm-hmm. who got fucking mollywopped by Purdue. Yep. Where was it at Purdue or at, at Purdue? Home? Regardless, it's Purdue. And then they have a an absolute shit kicking against Michigan at home. So you say those two break even right there. The shit kicking that they took um, at Purdue, or and you have the shit kicking that they gave at home. Against Michigan. So that breaks them even. What else do they really have on the schedule? Not much. I give it to Oklahoma. Yeah. I, I think that's where they're going to go, man. Because even if they beat I North- mean, I just did the job for the committee. If only they would listen to the goddamn podcast. I just did their work for them. Close I think the they books, should. Fellas. And we don't have to listen for and, hours. And Condoleezza. Sorry. <laughs> give, it to, give it easy. Man. <laughs> she's, in, she's, in, she's very bright. Um, But no. So I totally agree with you. And, and you know, for the people that really want. They also want- have a top probably two Heisman candidates. Oh, they definitely do. Kyler Murray is going to – he might. I mean, I think I think that I, unless he has a really poor showing in the champion in the SEC I think he's going to win because he has to do a lot more to contribute to the team than Tua does to, to contribute to, um, you know, Alabama. No, I, I definitely agree. I, I mean, I, I certainly though, you know, especially if Bama finishes undefeated, they're going to look at Tua and be like, yeah, when I watch him play, he's the best quarterback. He's the best quarterback. He's when the best you watch player. him play butt naked on your couch – He's fantastic. And just dude. your two of He's fantastic. Jersey. Listen, Kyler Murray's amazing. What he did against Will Greer in that game in Morgantown on Friday night, and what he's been doing really all year, with the exception of that, you know, with that game against Texas, he's amazing. But you know what? Like, I, I just don't, I don't see how you can give it to anybody that if you have an undefeated. Yeah, I mean, he's not riding the coattails. You know, like you know, I like Jalen Hurts too. Jalen Hurts is not a Heisman ever a Heisman contender, no matter how good Alabama is. You watch Tua; he's the difference. See national championship game last year, so he's a difference maker, and we know that. Relax, Kyler Murray okay. is definitely, but again, that's a Big Twelve. That's a Big Twelve quarterback. <laughs> How many? I mean, Will Greer's put up those stats, you know, which is why he's going to finish in the top three as well. Um, but so if you're look, but if you're looking up and down, right now, here's 
and I agree with you, Oklahoma would probably get in, and I'm sorry, Big Ten, but you guys got to be better when you've had a chance to show dominance. You don't quite do it with some of your teams. Now, let's throw Georgia into the mix, just for shits and giggles, okay? Now let's, do think... th- now, let's do this. If Georgia beats Alabama, Alabama's still getting in. Even if they're a one-loss team, they're getting in. Just off their body of work, just like they did last year. You know, they lost the Iron Bowl to Auburn. Yeah, I'm not going to sit in. here and argue with you. That's inevitable. Yeah. So. so then, do you put a Georgia team? How many uh, losses do they have? One at LSU, who will also finish as a top ten team. Shit. And eh, top fifteen. They lost to A and M in that seven overtime game. That was a crazy game. That game was incredible. Right? Not the best game. That's a, bas- that's a I, basketball score, but it was comp- seven overtimes. I comp, well, of course, but I comp that to the Monday night uh, Raiders. Uh, sorry. Raiders. Monday night. Well, no. <laughs> Raiders aren't playing on Monday night. I comp that to the Monday night Chiefs-Rams game where it was one of the most fun games I've ever seen, but not one of the best. Right. No, that's one of those, exactly college, that was one of those college overtime rule games where you just keep matching touchdown for touchdown. Yeah. Um, but when you look at it, I mean, that one, you really got me stumped because they play in the SEC, which is still a really, really tough conference. I definitely think it's tougher than the Big 12. And the Big 10, like you said, is down this year. So that, that part makes it really difficult for me to say no. And what are their wins this year? What are their notable wins this year? I mean, at Kentucky, when Kentucky was a top 12 team, Maybe they Florida. beat Florida when Florida was a top 10 team. I mean, they've had a really good year. Remember, they play in the East, so it's not as as great, you know, once well, again. wherever they play, they just beat top two top 15 teams. There. Yeah, no, their, their only bad loss was, you know, they got hammered at LSU. And LSU's yeah. a really good team. They're going to finish in the top 15. That really makes it difficult because, you know, I'm tired of what people are saying, oh, they're going to end up a top whatever team. I mean, whatever they were, whatever the whatever the country saw them as, Florida was a top ten team at the time, and Kentucky was a top fifteen team at the time, and that's when you played them. They were at that level of competition at that time, so that's what I see them as. So, shit, I guess you have to put Georgia in there. Yeah, if Georgia beats Alabama, I think that no matter what Ohio State and Oklahoma do in their conference championship games, it doesn't matter. Now, yeah. final one, get you out of these hypotheticals. Because we'll have our final answer on Sunday of next week, uh, of this coming week, rather. Let's just say Georgia plays Alabama down to the wire. No. Puts them in overtime like they did in the championship game last year. No, I won't put a two-loss team in there. Agreed. But you know what's crazy? It wouldn't. It would not I shock be surprised. me. But I don't think not. they should do it. And and again, well, you know, the SEC got two teams in there last year, and and of course they ended up playing for the national championship into overtime. Deservedly so. Deservedly so. They were the two best teams. Everybody thought Clemson was, but Clemson wasn't really prepared. Kelly Bryant couldn't beat that Alabama defense last year. Um, and to be honest with you, Georgia won a great game against Oklahoma. I mean, that game could have gone either way. Remember out there in Pasadena. Um, so they were definitely deserving of beating Baker Mayfield, the Heisman winner from last year, and, and getting into the national championship game. This year, I'm tell- if Georgia doesn't win, even no matter how well they play Bama, and I do think it'll be a game because Fromm has already played a really good game against him. Kirby Smart knows, knows Saban, and he's you know played him in a national championship game 11 months ago. But at the end of the day, You've got it. If Oklahoma wins convincingly over Texas, or Ohio State wins convincingly over Northwestern, or both, you've got to just pick one of those and say, 
Give me what what do you care more about? Your worst loss or your best win? Because if you answer either of those questions, it's gonna be one of the two teams. It's not gonna be both. It's not gonna be it's not gonna be the same. Yeah. So I if you ask me if things go status quo, if Alabama beats Georgia, whether it's by three or whether it's by thirty three, and if Oklahoma and Ohio State both win their their games pretty convincingly, I think the number four team is going to Oklahoma, and I don't want to hear any of this Big Twelve bullshit. You know what? I don't like that style of play, and I think I think Alabama would have their way with them very convincingly. I don't think that they could score a lot of points against them, and I don't think their secondary obviously could hold up nah. against against Bama. But you know what? They deserve to be there in a Power Five conference, and Ohio State. For all the people that are going to cry about them and say, "Oh, we beat Michigan at home, and we killed them, and we you did gotta this," you got to sound a little more upset. You can't lose to Purdue by 35 <laughs> points. You're right. No, I it just was like you, last year. You can't lose to Iowa by 30 points. I wanted points. you to sound a little more upset when you're doing your impression, but I agree with you. You can't lose to Iowa by 100 million points, and you can't lose to Purdue by that much either. No, no, you just can't. Listen, if it was, it's a four-team playoff, and you have to win these games. Now, if Oklahoma lost in that shootout in Morgantown to West Virginia, it wouldn't even be a discussion. But they ended up winning. A win is a win. You beat a Heisman finalist probably in Will Greer on the road. That's a great game. Kyler Murray's been one of the best players in America, whether he wins the Heisman or finishes second. It doesn't matter. He's had a tremendous year. And I think a lot of people would like to see him go up against a Nick Saban defense. And they're certainly deserving of it. So I I would go, if things stay status quo, Alabama 1, Clemson 2, Notre Dame three and Oklahoma four. Do you agree? Absolutely. I, I think Oklahoma sneaks in there unless um, Georgia beats Alabama. That's the only way. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you. I think Georgia would would jump both those teams if they if they were able to win. Now the committee seems to love Ohio State. I mean, last they year didn't they, last year, but la- you can't. It was a two-loss team, and one of them was by, whatever, 25, True. 30. So yeah, they lost to Oklahoma. This year they only have one loss, and I just think they really love Ohio State. So I could definitely see them getting in there over Oklahoma yeah. and them having that Big 12 argument as, yep. their, as their backup right. or whatever, their argument. Yeah, it could be. And, you know, the Big 12 has gone out of their way to make sure that conversation doesn't happen by implementing a conference championship game in the last five years, which they never used to have which kind of, you know, did them some disservice. Uh, you know, you mentioned how Notre Dame doesn't have to play one, but I think it does them benefit. You talk about Oklahoma or anybody that won the Big 12, it actually did them a disservice. They, yeah. they, you you want to win that conference. Well, there can't be too many Notre Dames out there. Exactly. So anyway, we got our college football out of the way. It's going to be an awesome championship weekend. Ought to be fun. It's going to be, uh, there's going to be a lot of great games. There's going to be a lot of conversation. And by this time next week, we will have our final four. And that means that Tom gets to take a break for a few weeks to talk about college football. Because going into the final four, you know, maybe we'll gloss on some great bowl games, but we don't have to preview them. We don't have to get that much into them. He doesn't have to dissect and analyze gamble on the him, passing schemes him. and the defensives of each team playing in the, uh, you know, advocate bowl. Exactly. So we're going to move on from that, and we're going to jump into the association where somehow the Clippers are in first place in the Western Conference. Shawnee Bowley, what a call on them, man. That team looks great. Shea Gildas Alexander looks like a, an absolute player. They're really meshing well together. Lou Williams is kind of their closer type. And, I mean, that team just has an absolutely solid roster top to bottom. 
What else can you really say? Dude, they're really good. And you know what? Like, I hadn't really watched them because I, I know they had I knew they had been playing well. But I didn't really get a chance I didn't to know watch they were them. First place, so you just told me. Oh, hell no. And and but two a week and a half ago, they played in Brooklyn and the Nets were kicking them, you know, kicking them down. And then they came back and I tell you what, he's not gonna be one of the top free agents mentioned, but whoever gets him or wherever whether he decides to stay with the Clippers or go elsewhere is gonna be very happy. Tobias Harris is awesome. He's a really freaking good player. Oh, he could be a nice Brooklyn net. I, I was watching that game and I was thinking, I'd like to see him do this and Barclays a lot more yeah. often because no, the guy's he's a good really player. good. He's, he's really great. good. Really under really underrated in Detroit as well as Orlando where you know, two bad teams. Yeah, two badly coached teams, most importantly. And, I mean, nobody could help him out um, out, out there, but that's just two bad coaches and two bad GMs. Um, I mean, yeah, it's just it's just crazy to talk about the Clippers as a first-place team. It's not going to last. Everybody, whoever's a Clippers fan out there, enjoy it. But it's – I mean, I was, I was laughing at you when you said that they were going to sneak in as an eight-seed. Now they're gonna have to really tank to not be an eight seed. Well, let me let me you know, not get too you know about my high horse here. I didn't see them being this good. I thought that they had enough talent to sneak in late, but to be here and like you said, it's not gonna finish. And you can calm down, and obviously the dust will settle, and they will not be the number one team in the West. But for now, you know what they are doing, my man, is they are showing why they are a very tantalizing and attractive destination for incoming free agents. Yeah, absolutely. Speaking of an incoming free agent, let's talk about the Sixers and Jimmy Butler. Oh. Another game winner. Was that last night he hit oh. that game winner? Damn, yeah. That, the guy, I mean, the step back, it, it was an incredible shot. Hollis Jefferson played great defense. There's nothing else you can do. That, And you know what? Jimmy Butler's done that to the Nets on three different teams now. In like three different years, like hey, he's he just uh, owns fucking them. a man. <laughs> yeah, he he's owned them. Th- he's great, and they played them earlier a few years back in the playoffs, right? And didn't he shit on them too? Then too, I remember it well. Yes, there you go. So I mean, this is his thing. That's what they brought him to Philly for. Ben Simmons isn't going to hit a shot like that, nor is Joel Embiid. So that's a perfect fit for him. He seems to be playing nice, and they seem to be playing nice. What else can you really say? Listen, and you know what, too, is watching that game last night, obviously, as a Nets fan, it was heartbreaking and, and a terrible loss, Have you know, being bent up by over 20 points heading into the halftime and, and over 10 heading into the fourth quarter. But that aside, you know what? It shows why he's a great fit if it works, and you can see that it does because Embiid and Simmons acquiesce to him. They know that he was brought here to do something that they can't. And the question, you know, to any skeptics out there was going to be, okay, who's going to take the ball late? And are they the other two who, you know, are not the beneficiary of that? Are they going to be able to handle it? And are they going to be happy with it? And are they going to be able to coexist? And Early on, the answer is a resounding yes. They're very happy giving it up. I mean, Embiid was unstoppable in the fourth quarter. Like I said, neither of those players are built to do that. And and before this, and I've watched crunch time uh, Sixers games before, you have Embiid coming off a screen, pulling up for three to, to end a game or go to overtime if he misses it. That's not his game. Jimmy Butler, that's that's literally that's you it. knew that exactly move was coming. Exactly what he's there for. Between the legs, crossover, step back, game winner. 
You've seen it against the Nets three times, and we've seen it plenty of other times against other teams. He did it against the Hornets last week. He's yeah. done it twice in ten days. Step back is his thing, and, and you're not going to see Embiid doing a step back that well. So they brought him here for that. The guy's going to average probably 18 to 22 points a game, and he's going to hit a lot of big-time shots like that, and I wouldn't be surprised if Philly's the best team right now because another thing we'll talk about is the Celtics are in a hell of a lot of trouble. I was just going to say, let's go over the Eastern Conference. So you segued into the Celtics. They're in a lot of trouble. What's going on with that, man? First of all, Gordon Hayward, I, I don't know if they need to sit him down. I, I mean, listen, I think by next year the guy will be fully back, and that's what every every doctor and every medical expert has predicted. But right now he just doesn't look healthy, and he looks super timid, and he's not ready to go to the rack at all. Settling for jump shots, not playing great defense. He's been more of a turnstile out there, and he used to be an everything type player, top 15 type player in the NBA. I just don't think he's ready. Kyrie Irving still looks a little bit of ru- a little bit rusty coming off of that knee injury, and Tatum hasn't been assertive enough. No, and and Jalen Brand- Jalen Brown just got hurt. And yeah. he, he's hurt with his tailbone. I don't know how serious that is and how long he's going to be out for. And then you also have to take into notice your Knicks just walloped them. You know, the night before Thanksgiving in the garden. I believe we talked we about talked that talked about a that bit. very briefly last week. But, you know, that I didn't know if that was going to be, you know, a game in isolation or if that was going to become a trend. But, you know, you saw what Luka did to your boy Doncic did to them Lost the other last night. night. Yep. And then, and then you know, just another loss last night. And I, I this team looks lost. And I know it's only November and they're probably going to turn it on. And, and when the dust settles again, I'll use that analogy. They'll be, they'll be one of the best teams in the Eastern Conference. But I do have serious questions about them. They're not meshing. And have you talked to your you know, your basketball dad, like, have you, have you been able to have a nice, were you able to have Thanksgiving with him and talk to him about things and yeah. be like, dad, you know, like I'm a little concerned about we you. We sat down and I said, you need to make a couple moves. You yeah. got to talk to Danny. He was there too. Um, he's at the, you brought Danny in. He's your uncle, t- basketball uncle, uncle Danny, but he kind of sits in the other room and spouts out a couple crazy things. He gets a little drunk, talks politics. That's Danny for you though. And um, <laughs> he he was uh, I was saying, listen, you got to trade a couple of these guys. And he said he's working on moving Terry Rozier um, to to another team for possibly a draft pick and a young player. So, I mean, listen, he, he's definitely he's working to his on GM it. son, isn't he? He is. Yeah. So, but no, I mean, so you got obviously the Raptors and the Bucks are the cream of the crop of that. Conference. Kawhi is cooking right now too, as well. So I mean, I would say the top four teams right now are probably in a power rank them. Raptors one. Bucks two, Sixers three, Knicks four. Okay, seriously? Celtics four, Thank of course. Um, Celtics look like a distant four right now, but they're going to be right back up in there and probably back at number one around they the All-Star get break. they figured out. There's too much talent on that too team, much and Stevens talent. is too good of a coach. I, and I and think, that's why I'm not worried Yeah, and I think a- And I think Ainge, you know, Uncle Danny who got drunk uh, at your Thanksgiving, is probably going to make a move or two that, that, you know, is probably something not that, Sexy, not that no, much of a no, splash, it's but it's gonna be a it's gonna be a move where it's like you look back on the scene, and be like, oh, that made sense. Yeah, and if the Pelicans weren't playing well, I would say don't be surprised if they deal Anthony Davis to the Celtics. But Ooh. they moving over to the Western Conference because we've pretty much talked about everybody relevant in the Eastern Conference. The Pelicans are playing pretty well. That Drew Holiday signing looks really good for them, and and they look like a playoff team. And this this Western Conference, I mean, the talent level at the top isn't as crazy high as it was last year. It seems like the last couple years, but 
that five through eight seed, you could tell me anybody's going to be in there aside from probably a few teams. My son's prediction with them being a fringe playoff team was a little bold. It looks like they're tanking yet again. Aside from that, though, I mean, everybody looks pretty good from the Pelicans, the Trailblazers, pretty much everything. So I don't know. And the Lakers look like a top two team right now. Yeah. And, you know, my Jazz pick, you know, they've lost three out of four now. So they're scuffling just a I bit. Th- I put the Jazz up there with the Celtics. They have too good of a head coach and they have too good of a too good of a core. They don't have the talent that the Celtics do, but they definitely are deep. And I think they're going to figure that out. Yeah, I think they will too. But as of right now, you know, they're scuffling and they, they've opened the door for to a team like the Clippers and even the Pelicans to that matter. You know, Miritich, when they got him after the Boogie Cousins injury last year, we kind of referred to him as a poor man's Boogie Cousins, but he's really stepped in well on yeah. that team, and he plays not, alongside Davis. He's not Boogie Cousins at all, and speaking on the Eastern, on the Western Conference, um, Boogie Cousins may come back before Christmas, but we can talk about that we'll when talk about that in a bit, closer but, to right, that. Yeah, but no, but Miritich is playing alongside Davis really well. Davis is playing like an MVP candidate like he always course, does. Yep. He's fantastic. He does and things he that nobody else off, does. He has shaken off that Anthony Davis can't stay healthy stigma. So far. Over the last two years. Yeah, I think he's so far. And, and he's a joy to watch play. And as long as he's healthy, that team is going to be relevant because there's going to be enough around him and he's going to draw enough attention where they can they can win games simply because of what he's what he's doing on the defensive and and rebounding side of the basketball. I love watching him play, and that team is definitely doing all they can to convince him to stay. I don't know whether it's going to work, but they're doing what they can. I don't and think that's it's going to work either. And I don't even know if or if um, Orlando. I don't even know if New Orleans has a basketball team in five years. To be honest with you. But they are doing all that they can to get him to stay, and I, I think that they're probably going to be buyers at the trade deadline, to be honest with you. I think you. they have to be. They have to convince him that they're going all in to, to make themselves a winning team come playoff time. Remember what they did to the Blazers in the first round last year. They got the unlucky draw of having to play the Warriors in the second round. But they were a really good team last year, and I, and I know I picked the Blazers in that series. If you go way back in the Sorry Podcast archives, you'll hear me predict what that. I Pelicans? Yeah, I didn't do a good job with that. <laughs> I thought I thought Willard and I thought Willard and McCollum would do a better job. Obviously, I was wrong. But you know what? Like we're not gonna we're not gonna go back to that. Um, I will say though is that what they've obviously shown that they're a really good team and that they can create matchup nightmares because of Davis. And if they get enough of a supporting cast around him, that's a formidable team. Um, so there's our East West. Tom, what do you think with your Knicks? They've now won three in a row. They've got to win games, and we talked about that last week. They're winning games. I, I like Fizdale coaching them up, and I think they've been playing great. Nilik, I, there was a Nilikina sighting yesterday. I watched a little bit of that game in between some football on red zone, and there was a Nilikina sighting. He had a couple jump shots, had a couple nice passes. I like to see them trying to reintegrate him into the offense. Maybe he just had to sit down for a couple weeks and maybe just process things, think about them, but... I, I mean, I know that, like you said, the GM and the current coaching staff is not invested in him, but I am, and I'd like to see him stay. I don't want to see a wasted lottery pick. I don't blame you, man. And as much fun as I want to make fun of you for it, I would hate to see a wasted lottery pick too. God yeah, knows I haven't ha- even had one uh, as a to waste. fan in a long time. But no, I, and you know what? That's encouraging. And I told, you know, we discussed this with Will last week is, you don't have. You're gonna be bad enough where you're gonna lose plenty of games. Don't worry about yeah, that. And Will made a good you know, point, and, saying you want to win, lose those close. You want to lose those close, and you want to 
be in a position to win those games. You want to show at least that, that your coach knows how to coach. Your GM can bring personnel in that's capable of winning games late. And you want, like, what, yeah, like what we just said is, you know, show that guys know how to win come crunch time in the last two minutes of a game as opposed to just constantly losing. Because, you know what? That's what separates the teams that are on the ascending and the teams that are just going to stay kind of dormant. And that's, you know, the Knicks, I don't know, they're going to finish as probably a 20 to 25 win team, but they're going to have a couple of wins on their uh, under their belt where you can look at and say, yeah, that was a nice win, a la the Celtic win at the Garden last week. Um, actually, at the at the TD Garden in Boston. So yeah, they went on the even, road. even better. So... So there you go for that. I, I'm encouraged by what I've seen from the Knicks, and, and you don't have to worry about getting carried away. Remember, man, you know, for all the Knicks fans that want to lose all the time, listen, you have just as good of a chance in the lottery as the other t- three or four terrible teams. So all it's a matter of getting that ping pong ball working out right. You're going to yeah. finish in the top five. You know, just make sure you don't win those games in April like last year. Like, you don't want to do that. But I don't, I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah. Because Fizdale, Fizdale's comfortable in his, own, in his own job security. Yeah, well, that's the biggest thing. Very you don't have stuff. a coach, you don't have a coach, you know, trying to win games to save their job. He yep. can just, you know, know that they're trying to lose and they're building towards the lottery pick. Absolutely. So the bottom line is I just want to see you keep it up. Keep up the good work. That's all I'll say. I'll keep it short and sweet. Knicks, keep up the good work and Porzingis get healthy. But why don't we hear a little bit about your Brooklyn Nets who are right there in the playoff race. They are, but they're, Tailing out. they're falling fast, man. And I tell you what, I mean, we knew it was going to be a tough loss, but I, I don't think, I don't think any of us knew how much Levert meant to this team. Yeah. Because they've now lost three of the last, they've lost three in a row, four of their last five, and three of those games, I'm not going to say they could have won because they should have won. Last night in particular, I mean, they got 69 points combined from their backcourt. Russell and Dinwiddie were essentially unstoppable yesterday. Philly had nobody that could stop them. You know, they had the T-Wolves game under wraps. They just fell a bit short. And the Dallas game too, you know, Levert, they really miss because he's a two-way player. He also plays really good defense that's underrated. People oh, yeah. don't consider his defense elite. Obviously, why would you when you play for a team that's always at the at the cellar of the conference? But they miss him a lot, and, and he was becoming their go-to guy. You know, as much as we love Russell, I, he's had an awesome year. He's going to play himself into a really nice free agent contract, as is Dinwiddie. It's kind of like when you have both those guys – I mean, they're point guard rich, and Shabazz hitting threes off the bench. But I tell you what, Lavert was becoming their closer. When you don't have him, you know, that, that hurts you. He's already got two game winners this year, and he's been out for about two weeks now. Yeah, exactly. So, you know, they have eight wins. They should have at least ten. I worry about them going into a tailspin now, and it's not because they're not going to play hard. Every single game I watch of theirs, man, it's like last year. They're right freaking there. They play everybody down to the wire, but at the end of the day, you know, Hollis Jefferson is not going to score you points down the down the stretch. Carroll, when he's on, he can, but that's one every out of, I don't know, six, seven games. You know, Dudley should not be starting. They finally switched up the lineup last night. I mean, Dinwiddie and Russell are going to carry this team at times, but you still need that extra wing that's going to that's going to cause havoc. And when Harris isn't hitting six threes a night like last night when he wasn't, you're going to lose games like that. And that's a crushing loss because you're at home. You had the Sixers, who we believe is the best team and one of the best teams in the conference. You had them beat, 
and you end up losing. And I and I really worry that this is going to put him into a tailspin. I mean, they already have eight wins. I mean, this is far and surpass anything in the last few years. They're not a boring team. They're fun to watch, but yeah. losing Lavert sucks. Just develop Jared Allen. Continue to you know develop both the point guards. Maybe you flip a Damari Carroll or somebody or a Hollis Jefferson at the deadline and get some assets back. You have two first round picks this year, which is more than they've had in the last seven say, years. If you really want <laughs> so, me to brighten things up for you, you do have your own pick this year and someone else. And Denver's. So, so you know. It's not all doom and gloom, but... Has Fareed played at all? Not really. He hasn't found himself into the lineup because other people have been playing well. So, it, I think the worst part is is that, you know, I wasn't expecting them to, to do a whole lot. I did say them as my eight seed, but you know I did that more as a fan. Yep. But it, you can't lie, dude. The way they came out of the gates, they were playing like an eight seed. I hope that they can somehow rebound and prove me wrong. But uh, watching every game, and I'm tied to them. I love watching them. They're a lot of fun. Atkinson's a f- fantastic coach, and they play with so much intensity and heart. It- it's just they're they're missing one of one of their they're missing their best player for as good as Dinwiddie and Russell are, and Allen has developed into. They are missing their best player, and he's going to be out for you know the bulk of the season. So. That's all I have to say on my Nets, uh, but at least they give me reason to watch, as your Knicks are for you. I mean, dude, honestly, like I might have had high hopes, but what did we want when we did our basketball preview? We wanted both our teams to be competitive and give us reason to watch, and I think both of us have been satisfied to this point, have we not? I've been more than satisfied, honestly. I've, I can truly say that I've been pleasantly surprised with the New York Knicks, and that could pro- that's probably the first time you've heard me say that since 2013. Agreed. So, because you're you're realistic in your expectations, and you're seeing guys that are going to probably contribute to your future, and, and they're not a laughing stock. They're not an absolute joke this year. Their owner is still a joke, and I guess I'm not playing. I'm not talking myself into, into fucking courtside tickets when this podcast blows up, but I'm willing to take that <laughs> risk to tell the truth. But yeah, you have not I been mean, shy about that. I, but I mean, at the very least, they're Nor playing well, and they're they're gaining respect and. Th- I mean, Lonzo Trier and, and Mitchell Robinson have been playing great. I'd like to see Knox play a little bit better, but again, he's coming off that and the season so young. Absolutely. So I am definitely pleasantly surprised. Yeah, and I and I'll I, take it, and I am too. I'll, I'll I'll take what my Nets are giving me as well. So there's our NBA cap for the week. We'll look forward to uh, what this week of NBA has to give to us because it's always drama. There's always something fun. And uh, you've turned me on to this league a little bit more, man. I mean, I, honestly, I always watch the Nets, but I'm paying a lot more attention because the storylines this year, especially because it's not nearly as... A lot of parody this it, year, bro. A lot of parody. It's not nearly as top-heavy as we've grown accustomed to. And obviously, you know, at the end of the day, it might be. But uh, until then, you know, let's enjoy the ride. So one thing that we started off with last week and now we get to really get into because we're a couple of awesome preseason tournaments into the season is... The college basketball season. Tom, give me some takeaways from you as we have a new top 25 real quick. After Duke's upset loss against Gonzaga, Gonzaga has moved to one, Kansas to two. Which Will said he did not expect to happen, him being a Kansas fan. He thought that Kansas would jump to one and Gonzaga That's would move in there, That's some wishful thinking on his part. I, I, and honestly, I'm in agreement with him. What did Kansas do to not get that number I one th- ranking? It's not what they didn't do. It's what Gonzaga did. 
You oh, beat the number enough. one team. And, I mean, and it's so early. Keep winning, cares, winning Kansas, and they'll be in the That's the, the thing. The I mean, they'll, they'll handle business. Remember, they're going to win the Big 12 again, and I don't think it's going to be even close. But, you know, Gonzaga just beat the number one team in a very convincing fashion. I think they've got to be moved to number one. It's no, it's late November. It's no big deal. Yeah. Kansas will be there, and they'll well, have every opportunity. They're going to secure a one seed again this year. Fair at least they should. So most of the teams have remained the same, except when you look towards the bottom – um, Oregon has pretty much taken over the the uh, Pac-12 spot in the top 25. Yeah, UCLA, UCLA losing to North out. Carolina. Yep. Yeah. So we we think what well, I think one Pac-12 team will be in there all year, and that may be two. That's Ooh, pretty much it. That's tough. I still think they'll somehow. I mean, last get year three. you saw a lot of sleeper teams in like Arizona State. I was just gonna say, 10. I think with Bobby Hurley, I think Arizona State's gonna find a way to sneak in. Right now, you're showing me Oregon and Texas, UCLA. Oh, that's Big Twelve. Excuse yeah. me. Oregon and UCLA for me, and maybe a USC. UCLA is not in it anymore, so. No, but I think they'll still get into the tournament. Oh no, I was just talking about the, oh, top, the top twenty-five. 25. Okay, then yeah, yeah no, then I definitely. Think Oregon's Oregon's going to be a, a is going to be a top twenty-five team essentially all year. Other than that, probably not. Yeah, I thought you were referring to the conference tournament. No, 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 yeah. the tournament. I think there'll be maybe three Pac-12 teams, maybe four. Yeah, but yeah, I mean the top twenty-five has gotten shaken up a little bit. Um, I mean there's there's still a lot of basketball to be played. Again, I think Villanova has to turn it around, but I don't know if I don't know if it's enough already. They got a nice win against Oklahoma State. Oh. Oklahoma State's a solid team. They're okay. They got back on track. I think that's what you, you know look who looks for good for is Villanova. Oklahoma. Yeah, they Oklahoma do. You know, good. losing Trey Young. I mean, and they haven't skipped a beat. That's a really good team. Yeah, you know, and somebody pointed this out to me last week. They played a little bit better last year, even with Trey Young. It was kind of a theory like you lose your best player and you kind of have a little more togetherness. Um, because with Trey Young on the floor, it was pretty much only him. Um, but yeah, there, there's just a lot of basketball left to be played. I mean, St. John's is still five and zero, one of the only undefeated teams left in the country. I think there's 25 left. Um, so I mean, it's it's definitely exciting, but it, it's still the season's so young. We just finished up preseason tournaments, so there's not really much yeah, to and, talk and, about and yet. You know, you're going into the ACC Big Ten challenge this week which is going to be a lot of fun indiana duke being one of the matchups uh that's a blow up uh, yeah indiana's only got one top it's in cameron indoor yeah it's in cameron indoor you would think duke should roll but you know i i think that should be a fun game there's a couple others uh that you look forward to seeing um i i I mean i truth be told i watched a lot of college basketball this weekend between the nfl and and college football and I was not disappointed. There was a lot of good games. A lot nah, of these tournaments. Dude, the Battle for about, Atlantis. That's what I love about college basketball is it seems that like... That tournament in Orlando. Unless, unless it's a... Maui. Yeah, uh, unless it's a, a random team against a power team like a Duke, there's, their games are always close. It's, yeah, it's and, so and much I, fun. And there's a lot of parody. I mean, remember last year when we started the podcast, you know, in our infancy, we were discussing... 
how there really wasn't a dominant team. There wasn't a great team. And I think we're kind of on that way this year. I mean, Duke is probably the closest Duke's thing, and candidate. they've already lost. Duke is a candidate to be yeah. at the end of the Kansas year. Kansas has uh, dominated yeah, exactly. every competition they've played. Gonzaga's handled a lot of business without, you know, with, without their one of their best players. Kansas now Vanderbilt. Played, Kansas only played one team. Mississippi, or, uh, Michigan State. Yeah, that yep. was pretty much That it. was in the, the uh, Champions Classic. That was the first game of the year. So. Yep. Now, now Garland is out for Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, that was a guy that looked like he was going to be a a, a candidate for one of the finalists of the uh, players of the year. And now he's going to be out for a while with a meniscus, and he was looking like he was going to catapult that team to one yeah, of the top and, in the SEC. And you saw that last year with Notre Dame with two players in that, that could have been good. And um, I think his name was Matt Farrell, and the other big power forward got hurt for a while, and that actually took them out of the tournament. So. Losing these big players in college basketball is massive, and I I don't know Vanderbilt could be in a lot of trouble. They can. And, and you know who was really a team good? That was was Vanderbilt or was it Purdue last? Purdue last year was in the top ten for yeah ever for a long time. But you know who looks really good? Who is Tennessee? Tennessee yeah. is loaded. That yeah. team is bringing back a lot. All basically well, all of the talent them. from last year. Tennessee is so good, dude. They're so good. I watch them play, and I say, I don't really know if there's a team that that that's that much better than they are. I mean, I think they could go toe to toe with Duke at a neutral site. I, I don't think that game. I don't think that would be a blowout by any stretch. No, because they play hard defense, and and they have a lot of veteran players. Now, I, Kansas, we did say they only had one big time win. They also beat Tennessee. Yep. Um, but it wasn't. It was only by six points so it wasn't like it was a big time win but yeah Tennessee is is definitely going to be in the top 10 for a long time coming but I don't know that team I just don't really see them going far in the tournament I feel like they always figure out a way to choke I don't know I I think they have all the and they don't have my guy Bruce Pearl anymore right now he's at Auburn cheating over there (laughs) big big cheater guy (laughs) um no but but I think I do think that you know the SEC is going to be a dogfight this year. It's going to be tough. And it's going to be fun. You know, Kentucky always finds their way, as we mentioned with Will on our preview. You know, they always find a way to play their best basketball come March. But I think I don't think Florida is going to be a pushover. You got Mississippi State. You got Auburn. You got Vanderbilt and Tennessee. I mean, that's a really good conference. That's a bunch of top 25 teams that are probably going to be hanging around that top 25 all season long. Yeah, absolutely. I think the SEC is one of the more stacked conferences this year when it comes to top heaviness, and they never are unless we're talking about college football. But listen, the season's young. There's still a lot of basketball to be watched. You know, I'm a Big East fan, but I definitely like to look around the league and see what else is going on. So we still have plenty of time for plenty of storylines and to see what's going on. I think in the end, Deuce Deuce going to be on top. I just I, don't. I I don't. I don't see it. Okay. All right. Well, we'll I think I think you mean it. You mean being the national champions? I think they're going to finish the regular season as the number one overall team. I oh, that I agree. That, yeah, I, that I agree. I need to watch more basketball. I don't think they're going to be holding the seat. I think I think Gonzaga showed a flaw in them, and I know it's early, but teams with starting all freshmen and freshman dominant don't don't win. It's usually yeah no. It, it's teams that have you know that elite freshman with some top with some senior and, and junior pedigree, and Duke doesn't have that. So, you know, I, I look at a team like Gonzaga, man, and, and that's a that's a really good team. It is. So when they can get you know another one of their big players back, 
I think they're, you know, obviously they're going to coast in that conference that they play in, and they're going to solidify a one seed at least, you know, two at the worst, and and come based off of you know whoever they draw come matchups in in the in the bracket. I think you're looking at them as a team, and I still think Duke's going to falter at some point in the regular season. I think Virginia could give them a game in Virginia, and I think North Carolina yeah, could well, give them a game. Yeah, well, that's what Will predicted was that they lose in Virginia, and that'll be their one loss, but I think they handled You don't think Syracuse with that zone could give them a game either? Oh, I definitely could do. Because Especially of, in Carrier Dome? Yeah, I definitely do because of the fact that it's a bunch of freshmen and they're not really going to be that experienced. Hopefully Coach K can, can coach them up. But um, there's still plenty of college basketball to be watched, and we'll have plenty of time. It's gonna to be talk a fun year, man. I mean, yeah, we I, definitely need to get a few more games under our, under our belt to really get a. Well, feel. we're gonna have a couple more. We got this ACC uh, Big Ten cha- uh, tournament going on, or or you know the challenge where you get matchups all the way around. Yeah, whatever it's then, called. Yeah, and then you know there's gonna be some other notable games. I know UConn plays Arizona this week, which should be fun, and they also play Villanova coming up. There's some isolated games. I don't know who St. John's has. I know they play Duke every year, right, in one of the games. Almost every year. Almost yeah. every year. So there's going to be, you know, both both of us are going to have our fan bases interested in some matchups, not just in conference play, but also those out-of-conference games. And there's going to be storylines all up and down the league. I mean, how, how good is Duke and, and how great are those freshmen? Can they face the adversity that a loaded ACC is going to have? Um, you know, is the Big 12 going to be dominated explicitly by Kansas, or can another you know team emerge as as a as a candidate to fend them off? Is the SEC as deep and talented and loaded as we think, or you know, is this Garland injury to Vanderbilt going to hurt them? Um, and then you've got the Pac-12 Conference of Champions, as well would say, of course. Um, and you know, what other team comes out of that, or is it just the definition of mediocre, which it's been in college football this year? There's a lot of storylines to see. Is Villanova, you know, are they going to turn turn the tide and 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 take care of business and get back to a top ten team that we think? And and what is Ohio State? Do they build off the momentum that they've established early in the season, especially with that win at Cincinnati? Is Michigan for real after what they did to Villanova? There's a lot to look forward to. I think this winter we're not going to have a shortage of things to discuss. No, not at all. Not at all. Uh, things are just heating up, and it really just started. One more sleeper game that I want to talk about from two teams that are unheard of, I guess you would say, in college basketball are not these big teams. Nevada's next game. Nevada is the number five team in the country, for those that didn't know. Plays Loyola Chicago. Thank you for mentioning that game. That's a great call. Because that is an interesting one. Because if totally those, forgot about it. For those who don't remember, obviously I just mentioned Nevada went to the Sweet 16 last year. They're the number five ranked team, and I think Will also alluded to the fact that they brought back every single player. Well, Chicago went to the Final Four last year, and they are Sister four. Jean, they're four and two right girl. now, looking for another big time win. Uh, Sister Jean, enough, okay? I'm a Catholic boy. I went to Catholic school. All that bullshit. Whatever you want to say, but. Sister Jean, I I don't need to hear about her anymore for being a mascot or, or whatever. Uh, she didn't even have them winning in her own bracket. So so what do we really have to say about them? But yeah, that's another big time matchup that's a little bit under the radar from two teams. I love to see this because you always talk about the Dukes and whatever. Finally, we have two teams that one is a top five team and they also went to the Sweet Six team and the other one went to a Final Four last year. That game is on the twenty seventh, so that's tomorrow. Yeah. Yeah, should be interesting to uh, see. You know what? And I, I totally glossed over Nevada. I'm so glad you saved me on this because this is a great team here. 
They return all their starters. They're a fantastic team. It's on ESPNW, whatever that means. So, I mean, honestly, I love what I, I, I love what Nevada did in the tournament last year. Uh, you know, they didn't stick around for way too long, but they were a really solid team. Obviously, Loyola was the darling uh, of college basketball and of the NCAA tournament last year. And they had some players, They're, too. That's the thing. They're not just like that nice story. Like, they had some really good talent on that team. This is going to be a really fun game. I, I, what I'm looking forward to seeing is this: Can can Loyola knows, separate themselves as from a mid-major yeah. to just a really good team? And I want to see what Nevada can do in that conference because I think they should win that easily, and they, they better be solidify themselves yeah. as a two seed or three seed. Well, they're the not in the same conference, but I mean, it's no, still, no, no. What I'm saying in their conference in the Mountain West, yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. And if anybody knows what ESPNW is, feel free to tweet us at Sorry Sports what channel it is because. I've never heard of it before. I, so, I, I'm not sure. I, I'd be interested to watch that game tomorrow if anybody could let us know what channel that is. I, I wonder if ESPN Plus. Do you subscribe to that, by the way? I haven't no. done it yet. No. I'm thinking about it. Honestly, man. It's a lot of content. I've heard really there. good things. A lot of content. Some UFC and, and, and other things along the line. I'm a little bit into UFC. I will, I'll purchase the big fights. Uh, don't ask me anything. I don't. I don't know what I'm talking about. But if it's like a McGregor fight or something, I'll purchase it. Yeah, don't but come aside, to Sorry Sports for your UFC insight. Sorry, guys, we haven't even mentioned that once during the during the pay per views or anything. So, but yeah, they definitely have a lot of good content. I'm. I'm. Every month I waver. Yeah, because um, in the know. thirty for thirties, they just did that basketball love I so story. So badly want to watch that. Yeah, me there's too. seven episodes. I or keep, something? It's like twenty hours of yeah. content. So. And, and, I mean, we're coming out with our own app, too. We got that in the works. So, I don't know if you knew about that, Sean. <laughs> I but, didn't. Thanks for breaking um, that news to me, man. Yeah. I'll let but, you handle that. And you, you let, fill me in in the in the short term. Let me know what I got to do. Yeah, but I don't know. I guess you could tweet that at us, too, if you want. The um, Whether or not you like the ESPN Plus application. Yeah, so. that, tell us what the ESPNW network is. And also, let us know if whether the ESPN worth Plus the, is worth it. Five bucks That's a, month a $5 or purchase. Listen, I'm already paying for Hulu. I'm paying for Netflix. I'm for all Could write shit. it off on your taxes I don't as, want a, to be as our job. <laughs> That's it. Um, but let's move on to some MLB because the hot stove is starting to heat up even before the the winter meetings haven't happened yet. No, so. not for another two weeks. Um, so we had some before we go into some trade talk because let's talk about things that actually happened. Josh Donaldson going from the Cleveland Indians uh, signs as a free agent to the Atlanta Braves one year twenty three milli. Love that signing. And oh, me too with the one year. And Brian McCann's back. I don't know what the numbers are. One on year that. twelve million. Yeah, I just saw the Instagram post. So no, I, and I think Braves getting, doing Braves doing some shopping. Yeah, and I think getting Brian McCann back will be really good for that clubhouse. I agree. Period. And he's got a World Series ring, so yeah, and he'll help out. You know, Tower Flowers is the is their catcher that they've been trying to bring around. Remember, they were they did win the division this year, so I think McCann's going to help them and kind of do for them what he helped you know the Astros do with that you know catching tandem that he had you know with Evan Gaddis and the like. I thought that was a really good signing, and Donaldson, that's a steal. Remember, he's coming off a really injury-played season where he went to the Indians, never really found his stride. At all. One year, $23 million, load him up, former MVP from three from three years ago, and see what he can do. You're going to get your money's worth. You know, this is a Moustakis, you know, on steroids as far as a signing is concerned with the one year. I mean, this is a team that's going for it. You know, if you if you cash in, he's probably going to help you win the division again and maybe go further into the playoffs. And if not, that's a great trade chip to have too, especially if he's playing well. 
Yeah, absolutely. I I mean the guy's a good signing for Donaldson too. Gold golf caliber player, and I think he's going to look for a multi-year deal after this. And I think he should, and I think he's going to get one as yeah. long as he's healthy. Depending on if he can, this is a prove your healthy type deal. Yep. Uh, and I think he can be in the MVP conversation. Play 140 games at least, especially in that lineup. I mean, that's a super underrated lineup. Um, Freddie Freeman in that lineup, as well as Acuna. So and I, National League Rookie of the Year. I don't think they're done either. I could, and you said this a lot earlier. I'll give you credit for it. I could see McCutcheon in that uniform. I think McCutcheon would fit perfectly because they don't have a right fielder right now, and McCutcheon obviously can play right field. He did for the Giants. And uh, and the Yankees last year before Judge came back, so I thought that was a, the Braves doing some shopping, you know. And, and I thought that was a great, really good day for them. Now, one report that did come out today, and I'm, I'm interested to hear your take on it. We spoke about it off air. I, I brought it to your attention. Was there was a report by Ken Rosenthal of the Athletic today that that mentioned the Mariners are actively shopping Cano. And they have reached out to both New York teams, both the Yankees and the Mets, about possibly acquiring him. And there's, you know, a report that said that the Yankees have orig- have turned down a, a Jacoby Ellsbury deal for him straight up, which I think honestly is fair. You, you know, people might might kind of, you know, shake their heads. But Ellsbury you only got for two more years. Cano you got for five. And he's yeah. making about $24 million. And the thing with Ellsbury is you really don't have to play him. Your outfield's stacked and it's better. If Cano comes over, he's starting. Now, question being, and I'll pose this to you, let's say that you do make the hypothetical trade. You do contract for contract. You know, you, you get rid of Ellsbury's and, and, and you absorb Cano's. But you get the Mariners, who are so badly wanting to just get off of that, to kick in 75% of the salary. So you're only paying Cano $8 million a year for the next five years. He can play second base. Obviously, they put him at first base when D. Gordon took was their second baseman last year after the PED suspension. Do you pull the trigger on that? I think you just found your first baseman in a, in a really cheap way. Because the only way I would do it, and I was talking to you about this off the air, is if the Yankees can either hold on to D.D. or go out and get a guy like Machado or both. That's the only way I would do it if it if it was up to me because that keeps the flexibility and a hard trading him there. Yeah, I, I like that idea. Yeah, so what you could do is if you're gonna get him as a second baseman replacement to slide Glaber to short and or third, hate it. Well, maybe just for the first half of this year. Well, it depends on if you can go out and get a guy like Machado. I want either uh, Didi or or Machado on this team. Well, here's the question. Preferably both. Right, but here's the question for you. Obviously, Machado is 26 and not 30, like what the Mariners signed the 10-year deal for. But doesn't this contract just, again, it validates what are you doing 10 years for? Now, the Yankees are already going to be holding on to a 10-year deal. That's Giancarlo Stanton. You got him for nine more years, counting this year. And that's not, he is not waiving that no trade, and he's not opting out of that contract. He'd be crazy too. I don't care what anybody says. So you're going to hold Stanton. He's going to be a DH outfielder type for the remainder of his time. And don't sound like that's a burden yet. He's going to give you another five years of, of domination from the offensive side. But come, you know, the back end of that contract, you might be facing another A-Rod kind of situation. So do you want another 10 years for a guy like Machado? My thing would be... I would 26, I think so. See, what I would say to Machado is, I'll give you 5 and $200 million. Here's $40 million a year. Take it or leave it. We're going to get you for the best years of your career, 26 through age 31, and 
if you if we want if we like you enough, we'll sign you to another three year rich deal, but we're not signing you to thirty one. I think forty one. I, I think, think those days fair. are done. But what I think this flexibility could do now, I don't know if the Yankees would do it. I don't know if Cashman would do it. It kind of contradicts everything they've been going for. I think Cano's swing is still perfect. I know he's off the PEDs, and people's speculations is is oh he's how good is he going to be again? Listen, he still hit three hundred, hit ten home runs in a year where he played literally sixty games. I think that. It's a gamble worth taking if the finances work out because you don't want him to cripple you at $8 million. And you know what? If he's not good, you cut him. It's no big deal because you're paying him nothing. But I think if you sign, if you if you trade for a Cano, he can be your second baseman, you know, for the majority of this year. You have, you slip Glaber over to short. You have Andujar at third. And you've got a combination of Voight and maybe Walker at first. And then afterwards, if you love Didi that much, you keep Didi, you move Cano over to first where he played Glaber back to second where people think he's better and you have Andujar. And if you want to move Andujar, well, there's your option to sign Machado. I think that that might be not, not a terrible move. Yeah, I, Again, I want to keep Didi, Again, the finances have to work. I really want to keep Didi. I do too. So I, I think that... I think that and if I don't they... want to give up an Andujar. I'd love to keep him, but if it if it doesn't work and you can maybe get a Corey Kluber for him, you might have to do it. I'm not opposed to trading Andujar anymore. I think he, I think Andujar's value right now is as high as it's ever going to be, and I think that if you're going to trade him, you do it now. Yep. You don't want a Greg Bird situation where you could have traded Greg Bird for something pretty good two years ago. Yep. No, yeah, no, I, I don't disagree are saying with you. He was the next Don Mattingly, right? Yeah, no, I don't disagree. <laughs> I'm just laughing because God, what a horrible year he had. Yeah, but but no, well, man, I, you're I stuck with him. Yeah, it, no, agreed. And and I think you know, obviously, the Cano contract and the Jacoby Ellsbury contract are both albatrosses. We know that. But you one's know what? Just a lot longer. One's than the other. one's longer than the other, and that's why I think these ten years scare me. And if I'm a Machado or a Harper looking for ten years. You know, even if you still have Scott Boris, listen, GMs are smarter now. And I know Cashman... It only get, takes one team, bro. It does, but it if you look at the new team. wave of our favorite word called analytics, teams aren't doling this out. Remember last year with the free agents, there was a lot of good ones that had to wait really late, and it was because GMs were not willing to give these seven, eight, nine-year, ten-year deals to guys that were, you know, had already had their best days probably behind them. And, you know, Cashman, I think, did a lot of those moves, those 10-year deals, because he was forced into it by the Steinbrenners. I don't think he ever wanted to do that. I think if he had it his way, he would have let A-Rod walk after the 07 season. I don't think he ever would have signed him to a 10-year deal, but he had to. He kind of called his bluff. He didn't have a... You didn't have a replacement for him. He's just coming off an MVP year. But if you're Machado, it's like you might be wanting 10 years, but maybe you look at a situation and say, listen, if I fucking ball out for five years and I'm making $40 million a year and I'm playing in my prime, I'm going to get another probably five-year deal or four-year deal with just as much money per probably, season. Yeah. You know, after that, and I think that's one way to look at it because the Mariners, remember, net they have a new owner. They're not an own ownership group. They have a new management group, new GM, new manager from the from the ones that signed Cano, and, and they desperately want to move off of this. They already they already traded Paxton. They already traded Zanino. So one of their top starter and their everyday catcher are both gone. They're looking to possibly move in Diaz, their closer, Hanniger, their center fielder, right, and some D. other Gordon guys. Too, yeah. Right? So they're looking to move everybody. So if if the Yankees couldn't, if they if the Mariners want to move them that bad, and they they tell the Yankees, listen, we'll take Ellsbury and pay seventy five percent of Cano's salary every year for the next five years. 
I think you got to consider it now. Oh, yeah. No, I, I definitely think you do. Because that's a guy that you can stick at first base, and he was a gold glove second baseman, so I don't see why he couldn't pick it at first. Right. So, yeah, that's the only way I would see doing it. If you're looking at him to replace either Machado or Didi or I guess you would say Glaber if the Yankees don't sign um, a guy like Machado, I don't like it. But if you're looking at him as a short-term second base option and a long-term first base option, that's per- and it's cheap on the cheap for for anybody's standards now in Major League Baseball. I'll take it. I I agree with you. But I thought that was an interesting conversation to have. Absolutely, there's gonna be a lot more baseball news coming up. But right now we are centered in on college football. Almost at the end, Tom. Don't worry, you've hung in there, man. Thank you. And then we've got college basketball up and ready to go. The NBA obviously in full swing. We'll be yeah, back. We need at a few it. more games out of college basketball before we can start determining anything. No doubt. And we'll be back at it in two in forty eight hours with the NFL preview. It was a pretty interesting week twelve uh, with the with the Thanksgiving games and so forth. We got a Monday night going on right now. Yep. And uh, previewing week 13. And we will talk to you then, guys. Have a great evening. Great night, guys. Have a good one.